What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. On this Sunday, I think we we said it, you might have said it on the previous one, on the preview, and we said it before that due to basketball returning early this week, we will, we will not have our usual Monday recaps. We are now doing that today to recap the loss that was just yesterday in a game that SAU really, really needed. I'm Nate Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, right before we get on here, we said – this will be a negative pod, and rightfully so. This was a game that we needed. We were at home. A lot of things were on our side that will just small things we'll talk about of that reasoning. But overall, it's a defeat that we'll look back on. And now with with two weeks left, we'll see where we are playoff-wise and what we think we could, you know, be seen as in the eyes of people who make these decisions down the stretch. But no, a very disappointing loss yesterday. What's going on? Yeah, just another – very, like you said, right there, disappointing loss. Very frustrating. We've we've seen it all year with this team. I mean, well, I mean, how how many times we have to see? all everybody says, well, offense is back, but no, they're just playing really crappy teams. I mean, I I did the math and I looked at I did the math and against bad teams that we would call bad teams, they're at this offense averages thirty nine point six, and against the really good teams, are averaging eight and a half. So. I mean, this this it's been play calling all year. We've been, I've been very critical of Nick Hill, and I've been very critical on Nick Baker. I don't care how many records he has, and those two uh, still yet to get it done. And I just think that this th- that from yesterday, what you saw could be the dagger in the season. Yeah, and it's crazy thinking that after at moments of the season when we thought things were great, and granted. We've said this, and we'll say it again before this thing ends, that, you know, whatever your strength of schedule looked like, whatever, anything, I mean, you've beaten, besides Austin P. there's, you haven't really beaten anybody. You said what the numbers are against bad teams, and that was thanks to 63 points against Western, but definitely it's, it's remained around that high. And then you play the good teams that we've known over the last weeks, you know, a couple of weeks now that can't get it done. And that is the name of this. It's all about who you beat, what your resume looks like, and we'll dive into, like, the only hopes, besides if they win next week, the only hopes that SAU has is what people would think is good enough to get in the playoffs, all depending, and all factors into that next week in the next week games. But we'll go through our resume here at the, at the end of this game on the small portions of it. But, um, you know, it was uh, two good defenses in this game. We knew South Dakota was good. You dove in a lot of, you know, they have good players on both sides of the ball, 100%. They are a quality team, and this was a – a game where if you won, it looked great. And if you lost all depending, but at the end of the day, it's going to look worse because you did it at home and you only scored seven points. I mean, South, we, and again, we'll say it till the definitely when this season is over and even in years to come about what this defense that SAU has had this year has kept them in so many games. It has won them games. We could argue besides going nuclear against SEMO in the second half, that's the best our offense has looked all year. And it, and it came in desperation mode. I guess we haven't played in desperation enough which at the very end of this game kind of was, and they didn't come through. But, you know, we've said we'll, we'll trade. If we were still trading, we would trade this defense to a team that deserves it offensively, you know, and that's the name of what the season has been. And that's what this game was, was the lack of offensive execution. I mean, allowing sacks still. Granted, in this game, you've got Romero Elliott back. He was fine. He wasn't himself. You know, he's probably like 85%. If you're over, I'd say 70% of how you are going into a game, you're you're about as close to 100% as it gets. 
Deontay Cox, every time he makes a play, he he comes up injured. Um, you know, and you need those guys back. Deontay has a lot of attention regardless of how he is at the moment to where it helps everyone else. Isaiah and Vincent have been good this season. And our running backs have been fine. But, no, it comes down to Nick Baker. And as you said, I mean, I think factoring into how bad he's been is our pass protection has been terrible. We've said our run defense has been – 50-50 this year. There's been some de- there's been some okay moments, but no, I mean your your overall, I guess your initial thoughts of this game, you were busy, you know, you're working, you were keeping up with it for the most part. But um I feel like the only good thing Nick Baker's done this season in the last couple months is rushing. He's had those really good moments of that. But no, that's the main of it. You said the two Knicks, and that's exactly what it is. You no, know, again, offense has been the reason why our season has turned somewhat upside down so far your initial thoughts of this game what stuck out to you when you're looking at box scores and when you're able to watch and what else plagued this game yesterday and clearly what's played this season so far it just really comes down to obviously uh, the two nicks are the big conversation but once again we're taught here thought it was fixed for a little bit had some good games but special teams kills you again when thomas burks misses a 41 yarder in the third quarter to make it to seven, three ball game. Um, that, that, I mean, he's doing field goals and bum guards doing PATs. I'm not sure what they're doing. I think they just lack confidence in any kicker they have. I mean, we talk about Torney a lot, but he actually had a really good game. I mean, six punts for 248, 41 average, had a long of 47, had two inside the 20. I mean, we got it from Torney yesterday, but. It's just Nick Baker. Obviously, the line has not been great in pass protection. That's not on, not all on them. A lot. Uh, there's a lot of times we're screaming at Nick to throw the football because there's guys open in the middle of the field, but he's just till sh- too short to see over him. And that's even with the smallest center. And I just thought a lot of the times in that first half, it was a lot of conservative play calling from Nick Coach Hill, and it just it's going to end up biting in the butt. I just think it's. If they're not going to – I mean, they're, we're not seeing a QB change, so they just got to do more stuff, be more creative. I mean, it seems like you mentioned a little bit earlier, if, if this team's in desperate mode, we can just move the ball just fine. So why not Why not just be aggressive and move the ball all times instead of trying to do what these other teams are doing and are built to do, which is they have the offensive line front in the run game to, all right, we're just going to try to run the ball, get the clock. We're not going to score very much. This Our team is best in, all right, a little bit of hurry up and push the ball on the outside because we have some of the best playmakers in the country, and we fail to use them a lot of the times. That's exactly what I was going to say was we have the skill position players to play quick, to play tempo at all times. That wears down your offensive line through drives, but still Nick needs to get the ball out quick. And we should have designs for our all of our guys. All of our running backs can catch the ball, literally everything. Like it's become a, to a point, and we love Romir again. If he's until he's 100% healthy, you want to run it a lot with him. And we feel like, as you said, the conservative play calling is let's just run it, see what happens. And it just doesn't work out. Like throw the ball 50 times. So that's the kind of season we have to have. You just throw it a lot. I mean, Granted, but even with Deontay's not 100% healthy like he is, Vincent and Isaiah are capable. Aiden Quinn finally emerged yesterday after a couple of weeks off. They've just done him dirty over the last couple of weeks. They're not using Ryan Schwindeman as much. Granted, he's had 
ball security issues, but we have so many weapons. Again, this offense has no excuse to not be good consistently. And we, especially if you have a, you know, we've had the same complimentary football, as you said a couple of times there to where if Torney's really good, offense is bad and things don't work out. If we can never have an awesome offensive game and our punting is good, like that's what doesn't make good teams. If you don't have a complimentary football, you can talk about any top 10 team in the country, any top whatever, everyone's going to have every facet of the game that's that's not perfect, but really good and feeding off one another. And we're not having that at all. Um, but like Nick taking, as you said there, like he'll run in good moments. He had a, he had a nice conversion in this game. He had like 22 yards, like he can do it. But he takes unbelievably bad sacks, you know. I feel like, as you said, he can't really see. So, But, like, you know where your receivers are. You know what play it is. Chuck it as far as you can out of bounds where you know a receiver's in the area. You can see enough to be able to do that. But, no, he just takes a sack and you lose lose nine yards. And that's, you know, through some of these initial drives where we should have got points on our first possession. We actually tried our own tush-push. And know how many times we have to say, I don't think we'll ever see a sneak with a 5'9 quarterback. This is like the first time we've seen it. Everyone around the country has been probably trying to do tush pushes thanks to the Eagles. But we tried it here and didn't get anything, so we missed out on points. And then our defense had the easiest three and out. And then offense came out and had one of the worst possessions I've ever seen um, with some things that they've done. A sack and then a crappy try to screenplay to Sean Lester that Nick tried to force it. I mean – just because I'm feeding off things I remember, we're not going to go through every single drive clearly, but um, just something I remember, you know, throughout the game thinking of what Nick should have done in decision-making. He tried to thread the needle to Isaiah at a play where he had room to run for a first on third down, hunt for that. I mean, again, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And uh, you know, they were even, and that's even on that side of the ball compared to like, moments in this game where there were awful penalties. There was a lack of discipline on our defense at times. Clearly they're not perfect no matter how much we hype them up. They had bad moments. There was a third and four run that they had that we definitely stuffed. Cam Bowdry though reaches and rips the helmet off one of their running backs. That was an easy first down and that's what led to their first point. So again, you're you're not going to play perfect in every facet, but those were uncharacteristic things by our defense that didn't want to see. I mean, Noah, again, through most of this game and how it was, a lot of awful moments until we scored. I mean, the name of this one also is we gave ourselves a chance. I mean, we drove pretty well there in the in the fourth quarter that allowed them to – I mean, Nick was – granted, okay, when we talk bad about Nick, it's not like he's 100% bad, but he does make good throws. He had some good sideline throws to our guys and keeping some stuff alive. And then he found Aiden Quinn in the back of the end or over the middle in the end zone wide open for a touchdown. So we score there. There's about three minutes left till we give the ball back. And what, I mean, they, let's see here. We had a, they had a penalty on something. I mean, it was no, I mean, near the end of this game, after we scored, we felt like we had some life in this fast forward through what our defense was able to do gave us the ball back after we used timeouts on that, on the defensive possession there. And we had one final drive. Noah, what happened on that final one to give us some hope that led into us literally being right near the end zone and not being able to get it down. Yeah, it feels what it feels like when this team gets, give us hope it's false hope usually. And that's what it ended up being. But I mean, first play of the drive, we talk about it he holds onto the ball and we just don't have that. We don't have that line to protect him. He holds it too long. Good coverage sack. Eight loses eight instead of throwing the ball. You text me immediately. Throw the ball away, and he did not. So that right then and there, you lose eight yards. Uh, but then 
a heck of a play to Isaiah on the sideline for 25 to get a first down. Then it was uh, tried to find Justin over the middle. It was incomplete. They took a timeout. Then we got a four-yard run from Nick on a little bit of a scramble. Then he found Deontay on a heck of a play by Deontay for 27 yards to get it down to the five-yard line. Um, then they tried running the ball with Rowe, got three yards. So he got to the two-yard line. After Then they take a timeout, uh, South Dakota did. And then out of the timeout, you tried, you threw – I mean, you space the field out to get a one-on-one -on -one with your best receiver, Deontay. Um, I thought it could have been – I mean, a lot of people – I didn't see a great replay. Obviously, ESPN Plus doesn't give you what, but a lot of people upset about this call. Deontay uh, came down with it. I'm not sure by just the view I got if he held it – he completed it all the way through. It could have been a little bit juggle when he got out of bounds, but he got hurt on that play with some ribs. Um, a lot of people complaining about officiating, but the officiating wasn't the reason. There's a lot of reasons you lost this football game. It wasn't on that call, but then third down threw it way too high for Isaiah over in the middle and fourth down. What do you know? A five foot eight quarterback. It's a, another pass tipped on when you needed it most. So just, it's gotta be there. I mean, maybe use a receiver like Zach Gibson if you're going to use a jump ball situation, even though Deontay made a heck of a play to try to go up and get it. Um, then the third down play had no chance. It was thrown at 100 miles an hour and over Isaiah's head over the middle, um, just trying to thread the needle when it's not going to happen. Then, obviously, we know what happened at the end. Um, just unfortunate, the end like that. I mean, it's not – at this rate with this, this team, it, it doesn't really surprise us when it ends something like that. No, and again, if you give so many other good teams in the country those ops that close with with three downs to 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 do anything on, I, they score at that point. Like it's it stinks that we couldn't get Romir in the end zone on that run. But again, you're relying on injured guys, and sure, you want to have your 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 best players doing this. But it's that jump ball to Deontay as you described. He he made and Deontay. We'll remember this season for Deontay's will that he's going through. We've said before, whatever he's going through injury wise, it was his ribs on this one. We, we know it's been his his legs and his uh, you know lower body injuries. He almost came down with that. You're right. He didn't have full control of it because he definitely came down in bounds on his back and his butt. That if he would have got that, it would have just been absolutely incredible and. The fact that, again, you jump ball to your 40% healthy receiver. I mean, on that big 27-yard play, he was hurt on that too. He literally limped off the field. And then Pat Poor, which shout out to Pat Poor for being on the call of this game. Uh, he, he, you know, he was barely on the broadcast. Yeah, you could barely see him at the bottom of the screen. Pat pointed it out. So, like, okay, uh, Deontay's in. And then it led to that play for him. And just, again, he almost had it. So, it would have been play of the year in that sense. Uh, really, really close. They did review it, and and it didn't come to anything. But uh, just incredible. Shout out to Isaiah, and then Brendan Webb, who got the sack at the start of this drive and was everywhere on their defense. He's the one that broke up this play that ended up becoming an interception. And yeah, the Isaiah play is ridiculous. It's like he was throwing to the fans back there. It's like you'll throw that away. Which of course, if you're that close, you can you can you're aware enough to know when you know where you can throw it. But the fact that he might have been covered, but they got to give him a better chance than that. 
And then the final play was him forcing it to who knows who. And yes, with the short quarterback, you're going to have batted balls. It's it's kind of weird because Nick Baker's 5'8", and he has a lot of batted balls. Justin Herbert is 6'6", six, six and has a lot of batted balls as well, oddly. So it doesn't really – it does matter how big you are, but just in the sense of how weird those things could be. And just shout out to the defenses for doing that, knowing where you're going to throw it. No one's going to rely on a pump fake kind of thing. So people just see it coming and, and make it happen. But the fact that we get that close and can't do anything is just ridiculous. Granted, that would have tied the game. You definitely wouldn't have gone for two. You would have played for overtime. We know college OT is kind of insane. Um, with all the different opportunities that give everybody a chance in that sense to maybe it extends the game. You don't go for two there. If you're on the road, you go for two. You do definitely do not at home. But again, this game was so necessary that you have to score there, clearly, no matter what. But because you'd go to overtime and you take your chances because an overtime loss looks better on the resume than losing 14 to seven and getting that close, not doing anything and only scoring seven points. So that's the name of it all. The fact that you couldn't score there is ridiculous. Again, yes, desperation should be in our favor. And that was the utmost desperation could get the job done. So that's how it ended up in a 14 to seven loss. Um, You know, again, you can't say much more on our defense. You allow a team who South Dakota is good in all facets and you allow them to only 14 points. And we outdid them a lot in the box score. No, I mean, we, definitely at halftime I just remember posting and maybe at the end as well that the, the difference of certain stats were in our favor even so our defense was great it's just offense didn't come down to the very end Noah you're if you could just anything if you have dogs of the game Sam or any final thoughts on this game overall Deontay's probably hurt more and more I have some things on the thing there if you're seeing them I mean we had some awful unsportsmanlike face mask penalties and stuff like that take from this game but Overall, the missed field goal hurt. Your final thoughts on overall in this game, Noah? Yeah, it's just another one of those where it just it, it's going to sting for a while, and you got to go back for work because it doesn't get much easier going up to Fargo next week. And it's just all I usually hear about how efficient Nick Baker is. Where he was sixteen of thirty-five for two twenty-seven, a touchdown, did have a pick. I mean, it, he's just got to be better. I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't put us on his back. I feel like since SEMO in that second half, he hasn't done that, and that's against a an OVC defense. So he's got to be better. I mean, how many times – I'm going to keep harping on it. Six of 17 for like 34% on third down. That's not getting it done. You're two of four on fourth down. He's just – offense has to be better. I'm. It's got to – until they find a, a better uh, – a quarterback that can see and make all the plays and – get rid of the football. Yeah, Nick Baker makes the time, some good throws at some points, but he's just not getting it done for me. And Nick Hill's play calling until Nick Hill finds himself an actual OC and lets him call the plays. Um, I think it's just going to be the same stuff every year. Um, but defense, I mean, I tweeted it out. I feel so bad for this elite defense is one of the, I'd say top three in the country. And they just keep getting let down by the two Knicks and special teams. So, Got to be better. Dogs of the game, obviously, easy. Vincent Davis offensively than a defense. I don't think it's close. Ubed Steed, I mean, we talk about, you tweeted it, Mr. Consistency. 15 total tackles, had a tackle, a half a tackle for loss, two pass breakups. It's getting the only negative we've talked about a little bit on that defense. I mean, seeing, uh, seeing Bohannik and pass coverage is not great, and he allowed some big plays down the stretch a couple times. Yeah, we text him daily. We've said that all season. Do not have Colin uncovered. You have Dune Smith and Branson Combs who, or P.J. Jules who are 
could be top three, top ten players against tight ends. I bet the stats show it, but I guess the ops wouldn't be there for some of our guys. But that's how you use your best players. We love Colin. He's a run stuffer, though. We ain't even close to a coverage player. But they continue to do it because we're not expecting certain play calls by them to where, you know, relies on whatever linebacker spot that is to follow the tight end. So it's – they can't trust it because it hasn't worked out. They're about five for five on when Colin defends that stuff. But – Easily, Bedstead, yes, he is incredible. He really is. I mean, not only, yeah, that he had six more total tackles than the next guy, and, I mean, six solo and two pa- – he had a massive pass breakup on third down that gave the offense the ball back in one point. He is awesome. We love that he's going to be here for a while. He talked after the game, and he knows some guys in the portals we've been in on, so he could be even more important than that and those facets. But net total yards, 333 on our end, 196 for the – for the Coyotes, I mean, rushing yards we had more than. And Ty Scott, Travis Ty Scott beat up in this game a little bit, mentioned their other running back. But, you know, they had more rushing touchdowns because they were able to do good things in the red zone. And a lot of other things we were pretty good at. Average per completion, we're at 14. They were at seven. I mean, we held Bowman in check. It, it was just the fact that we couldn't execute when it came down to it. That's the name of this also. Statistically-wise, we were right there with them or more. So definitely Vincent and definitely Ubed. The only positive to take out of that game. Um, so, yeah, other than that, uh, you know, let's fast forward past this game. I feel like it's – and you said it actually there was Nick has not been clutch. He has not came through since SEMO at all. 400-something yards in the second half. He was incredible. He didn't really carry that over. Since that game, it's been pretty inconsistent. I mean, we understood why the offense wouldn't have been great against Northern Illinois. It was great against Austin P. We kind of had this feeling. And sure, Deontay being out – has hurt a lot of offensively. Isaiah and Vincent have been great, though. And, again, you're not using Aiden Quinn as much as, you know, start of the season. So, a lot of facets in this. You're not using Zach Gibson enough. You said it. He should definitely. He's a former basketball player. Use him on jump balls. I trust him. He's got great hands. If you actually throw him the ball and play him, you don't throw it to a 40% Deontay. So, a lot of bad things went on in this game. So, Noah, just segueing quickly to reiterating what this team is to this point we're six and three we talk like we're three and six but again the expectations we've had through this season what our defense has made it to where what standards should be for this team that you know strength of schedule sure and the massey rating is pretty high like the things that will you know make it to where besides a clearly a win next week helps you but even without that let's say no we finish seven and four Let's say we lose to North Dakota State, beat a tough Indiana State team. We're seven and four. And whatever they want to count on for a strength of schedule, an FBS win, which Northern Illinois is one of the worst teams in the in the FBS, probably. They're in a terrible conference and they're not very good. I really haven't kept up with them in the last couple of weeks, but I know they're still bad. I mean, no, again, one and three against good teams. And Austin P, you could say they didn't have a lot of good guys on offense. They were on the road. First game of the year, Russ can factor into that. We beat him by like three touchdowns. Caleb Wagner scored a touchdown. We haven't seen Caleb on the field since then. Um, so that was kind of a weird game. But no other than that, again, one and three against good teams, everything else. You said the stats earlier. What could be the only thing that helped? We could talk about it in a moment if we lose next week. This is before we play the game. But no, what's the only thing as it stands if we lose against North Dakota State at seven and four that even gives this team a chance? Clearly, we're both thinking it doesn't. But eight and three gives you a better chance to do that. But Noah, you're again, those things that factor into like what our resume could be again, Northern Illinois win does not look good. And other than that, it doesn't look that great or our resume. Yeah, but you talked about it, your strength schedule and obviously playing in the best FCS conference is going to help you. But 
we I mentioned it I think uh probably about a month ago and I I think it could have been Herder that tweeted about it but one of the FCS guys tweeted about it and said this committee is going to have a a really tough time because it's going to be probably one one of the the most times that you see seven and four teams left out of this playoffs because there's just going to be so so many of them I mean if if you look at the Missouri Valley standings right now, you got one you and I, Youngstown, North Dakota, North Dakota State, and us all at six and three. Then you have Illinois State at five and four. So I mean, you're gonna have a lot of teams that probably end up seven and four, um, some that end up eight and three. But it's just gonna be one of those years where you don't want to be on the bubble, and that's where we've put ourselves because our offense has yet to come through for us in the big spot in these conference games. Um, so. It's just going to be one of those years, and that's that's why you said on the tweet that next next week's going to be a most likely must-win game. I mean, I talked about it Friday. If you won Saturday, you're locked into the pl- playoffs most likely and potentially in driver's seat for a top-eight seed, but you fail to come through in a big spot again, and that's why, I mean – only thing that maybe helps us next week is we're four and one on the road and two and two at home. So maybe, maybe this team needs to be on the road for the playoffs and we shouldn't look forward to maybe having home games. It's a great point. I made a comment, I think recently that seemed like, well, we were such a bad road team or home team last year. I mean, we were five and six overall, but we know how close those games were, but I thought this year we were a little better at home. But that clearly, yeah, doesn't seem to be the case at this point. And you lose to the South Dakota schools barely, but still you had chances to win that game and you should have. But And we played Murray and, uh, you know, Western on the road, which helps the other record. But still, I mean, I might – you know, I'll take anything in the playoffs to this point. It's like you said, it. if we beat South Dakota, we're in because we expect to play with North Dakota State. That's all depends, though. Again, I'm not – whatever we you know whatever we preview on Friday about them but they're still who they are no matter what and I I feel like you know historically just us against us like we're cursed versus them on the road there so that's that ties into a little bit even though again we'll be playing in desperation mode so maybe that'll help us but um, yeah in general I mean those are your only hopes of keeping that game close to do that because you're right. I mean, and we'll say it again near the end of the season and whatever it looks like, but I've been tired of being on the edge of my seat for selection Sunday for this team. We thought this year was going to be different and still six and three is nice. We were three and three in conference. And again, if you win next week, it changes everything. If you would have won this game, it solidified you, but that's not the case. And now they have to work towards everything else to be one of those bare, you know, teams that are barely hanging on you know, for a spot, Sam Herter did have us in the top eight seed before this game coming into this week. So it's crazy how some people can view us still so high. So we're not over here saying that there's literally no hope, but as you said, there's everyone else is playing well to where we have to be up there with them and keep ourselves afloat and not have any slip ups to give us that chance. Cause there'll be a lot of that large opportunities for a lot more people. So again, win or lose after Friday and leading into next weekend on a, uh, on a recap, we'll definitely tell where we are because, again, no matter how Indiana State is, they still are. They are definitely playing with almost every team they're playing with. But that's where you could say we're at home. We should win. So there's definitely nothing to be overly confident in that game, I suppose. But we'll talk about it more at the end. But definitely a little skittish now as the season winds down to two games remaining in the regular season. So talk about it more at the end of the week. Quickly, NFL Salukis, um, because we are doing this on Sunday. A lot of games are finished. Um Ryan Neal and the Buccaneers, 
he had two tackles in this game. Buccaneers lost a absolute crazy game against the Texans. DJ Stroud making plays at the end of that game made that win after the Bucks scored. It was massive. I'm sure a lot of people watched it. Uh, and then Michael had a couple of snaps. I saw him on the field against the Falcons. Uh, but they lost another great game as well. So those were two arguably the best games of the day. But the Falcons did lose to the Vikings at home. Uh, Josh Dobbs coming in, winning that game was crazy. A great game. I wish Michael got a catch. Craig James plays my Chargers on Monday Night Football tomorrow. He didn't have anything last week. Maybe that changes in this game. Anything's possible against the Chargers. But so that's a thing on them. We know Jeremy's still hurt. Noah, quickly, just because I had it on there, let's let's dive into what those last games were this past week of who won who. And you already said the standings. We can reiterate that because that's pretty much all we got till we wind this thing down. What else happened around the FCS this week? Yeah, there's some pretty good games. Uh, the biggest game of the week, but one of the biggest games of the week was uh, Montana hosting Sacramento State. Montana continues to prove a lot of people wrong who thought they're just high in the rankings early in the season because of who, what their name is. But they beat Sacramento State 34-7, to so that's a big win for them. Austin P gets a road victory against a tough Eastern Kentucky team in overtime, 33-30. Nickel State upsets Incarnate Word 45-32 on the road. Um, Eastern Washington wins at home against Cal Poly to stay alive. Western Carolina gets a road win against Wofford, 28-25. Idaho wins at on the road at North Carol or Northern Colorado. Uh, some other ones, some other big ones was uh, Villanova on the road at New Hampshire, 45-33. Then in conference, um, had some. Good games and had some bad games. Uh, obviously, you and I blows out Western Illinois for the final time, 50-6. to six. Uh, 45-31 road win for North Dakota of their first trip down to Murray State. Uh, Youngstown beats uh, the Indiana State team, 19-7. Then Illinois State, 36. Missouri, Missouri State, 35. And a barn burner than the big one of the week was South Dakota State beating North Dakota State 33-16 in those standings real quick. Looking like, obviously, we got South Dakota State. Uh, basically, have, I think, clinched the championship or the conference title, I'd say, at 9-0. and Then South Dakota 7-2, UNI 6-3, Youngstown 6-3. and North, uh, Then North Dakota, North Dakota State, and us all 6-3. and uh, Us and North Dakota State 3-3 three and three in conference. So those are two guys. And then Illinois State's three and three as well. Those guys ahead of us, Youngstown and North Dakota four and two. So got a lot of teams. I mean, you and I five and one in conference is pretty crazy. Um, a lot of people were down with them because they had a tough non-con, but they've been on a roll. They have a quarterback that can put you on their back and win football games in this conference. Yeah, you're right. You and I has turned it around big time. They they have the toughest schedule in the country. They've you know bludgeoned through it and here they are he gives himself a, a nice playoff opportunity here which which it's good for the fcs because you want those competitive teams in there that know what it takes in the playoffs and that have nfl level quarterbacks so again they're fighting with us so it's not a good you know uh whatever in that sense but the fact that it makes for a more competitive playoff picture uh north dakota state's great we'll talk about them in the week but that they, the fact that they're tied with us now they've lost their fair share of conference games i mean it's it's crazy the kind of you know, just nosedive this dynasty has for sure taken. There were some good games. Otherwise, yeah, Youngstown was letting the NSA play with them until they pulled away. 
And the fact that North Dakota allowed Murray to score 31 points, you know, we, we know Murray is capable, but still a win's a win though, regardless. I was looking at Western saying I didn't want to do the math. I should have did it way before. Their margin of loss in their last like five games is historic. I mean, they scored 40 against Lindenwood back in middle of September, but ever since then, it's been a margin of loss of at least 30 points. It's, I mean, they're going out with a bang. We'll just say that. I mean, their margin of loss is, like I said, historic. I would love to see the numbers. We'll crunch it later on. It's just funny. But the overall, again, that is where the standings are, and we'll try to just fight like hell. I mean, if we beat North Dakota State, that'll put us ahead of them, but it'll still put us behind most of everybody else with some – there's some good matchups this week. We'll talk about them at the end of the week. Noah, your your final thoughts on – we've already talked about a lot and everything pretty for the most part, but where our standing is and how this game went. But what if you could muster up final thoughts, what are they? Yeah, just, I mean, disappointing, and um, obviously this team is in a hole now and see if they can dig theirself out of it going on the road, put yourself on the bubble where you don't want to be, should already be locked in if your offense steps up, and looking forward to tomorrow, see what, see if we can get any good questions uh, asked to Nick Hill. Um, we know the Southern has been bought out, and Bucky Dent's going to be losing his job. Not sure when that is. And he was tweeting about the game. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, but, got. I mean, he needs to be asked some tough questions. I don't know why he's never been asked about play calling. Um, I think he'd probably take a little bit of offense to it, but he needs to be asked about it because it's costing us in some of these games. So interesting to see. Got a long week. They got a, a lot of things to work on to get a good game plan for Saturday. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we won't talk about the presser till we'll probably do a pod around Wednesday um, or sorry, it's Friday, as I said. So we'll save everything from this week to a bigger episode on Friday. But uh, you're right. Hopefully there are hard hitting questions in tomorrow's presser. Nick doesn't take too much offense and he owns it. He usually does own it pretty well. So finally here, just because I'm looking at it quickly, conference points allowed 88 for SIU. The number one is South Dakota State at only 77. The next team is small 100s, but it just shows you, again, your defense has made it to where this season can be a positive. But it all depends what happens the rest of the way. We are on the edge of our seat. It is nitty-gritty time for this SIU football team. So until we talk on Friday, I'm Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, go dogs.